welcome or welcome back to Scottish and Scared. I'm Stephanie and I am once again on my own. Before we get into it, if you guys listening have ever had any strange or unusual experiences or have any ideas for future episodes, please email them over to us at scottishandscared at gmail.com. You can also go follow us on Instagram at scottishandscaredpod and if you wouldn't mind, please rate, review and share us wherever you may be listening. So yes guys, I am once again on my Todd. Uh, Shannon is fully recovered and she is 100% fine, she's great, she's healthy, but we just thought it was in best interest to not be around each other for maybe another wee week. Uh, I have an autoimmune disease and I'm still I'm still kind of sick, so it's probably not the best idea to be around someone who has been sick and I definitely do not want to catch covid but she will be back next week and she has loads of stories to tell us so I'm looking forward to that. Also guys, I am recording this at like 7 in the morning uh, so if you hear banging or you hear like weird noises it's probably my neighbours getting ready to go to work. So here in Glasgow we are actually back in our second full lockdown uh, so that sucks uh, and I just wanted to say that I'm extremely grateful for this podcast because although we are like really tiny 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 podcast it has given me something to work on during lockdown uh I'm somebody who struggles with uh mental health and sometimes it's hard for me to get myself out of my wee funk or you know get myself motivated but knowing that I have to get these episodes out for you guys is something that's really really helped me get through this just knowing that I have to I have to get up and I have to sit and do this research and I have to look into these things it's really given me something to put my put my time and effort into uh, and for anybody that is listening anybody that has gave us feedback anybody that's got in contact or liked and reviewed us thank you so much to you guys because you have really helped me get through this lockdown and I know you've helped Shannon as well and I just wanted to say, if there is anybody listening who's struggling at this time, just being on your own or you're just struggling with this, I think everybody can relate this moment in time with how they're feeling. Um, don't hesitate to get in touch with us, even if it's just you want somebody to talk to or vent to. I know sometimes it's easier to talk to people that you don't know. Please get in contact with us. Uh, if we can't help you, then we can find people who can help you. I think at a time like this, we all have to kind of band together and support each other. And that's exactly what we want to do. So if you're struggling or you just want somebody to chit-chat, gossip, just get in touch and let us know. As I said in last week's episode, uh, our main episode is meant to go up, or, or our weekly episode is supposed to go up on a Sunday. If we do not upload upload on a Sunday, you, we will upload on a Wednesday. That is our two days. It just uh, so happens that this weekend we were, well, I was fully prepared to record and upload on Sunday and then I had to help my brother with homework and drawing these ridiculous pamphlets for his travel and tourism homework. Uh, so I couldn't do it and I've had other stuff going on with work and stuff. So this episode will go up today, which is Wednesday. Just, if you do not have an episode on a Sunday, I apologise, but there will be one on a Wednesday, if we miss Sunday. Uh, if we do upload on a Sunday, and I feel that the episode's a bit short, or it's not lengthy enough, then we will do, like, a wee mini one on a Wednesday, but we will not be doing two episodes. It's just that Sunday and Wednesday are kind of our days for uploading. If we miss a day... We're not putting too much pressure on ourselves. Uh, there's a lot going on right now. I think everybody can understand that. But as I just said, I want to make sure that we're getting an episode out for you every week, sometimes two if I feel it necessary. Because 
it's helped me doing the podcast and I'm sure that there is somebody out there that this ridiculous podcast and rambling for 40 minutes uh, in a Scottish accent is is probably helping somebody out there, I hope. So yeah, that's that's our two days. I just wanted to clarify that. Just on the subject of that homework, I'm sure a lot of you got kids. Uh, I had to help my brother with his travelling tourism homework and my god, the pamphlet was like the bible and it was, you had to write down prices, times of trains, times of buses, you had to write a full itinerary and when I say a full itinerary it was dates, times, prices and they were not to be made up, they were to be and they were to be fully researched and based on like factual information and then we had to draw travelling tourism leaflets for somewhere in Scotland, like a travel destination, which was fun to say the least. But like when did homework get like this? Obviously I understand like we're in weird times right now, so kids are probably predominantly working from home, but when did homework become so detailed? It was like he was it was as if he had he was writing an essay. A full blown English essay on travelling tourism in Scotland. It was mad, but it was great to you know, do something school related. I haven't been to school in quite some time. So that was great. But that is all that has been happening this week, guys. I'm sorry if I sound a bit nasally. I still have a sinus infection. I do apologise for that. But I am getting through that. And that is all the news that we have for this week. Hopefully Sharon's back next week. So hopefully we can have a bit more jibber-jabber for you guys. Or if you guys don't like the jibber-jabber at the start, you can let us know. We just kind of do it to like warm everybody up and then slowly get into what we're talking about. It's just to fill up a bit of time for you guys. But if you're not interested in that, then you can certainly let us know and we will cut that out and just go straight into the meat and bones so in today's episode we are back in my capital city of edinburgh and we will be having a little look into the mystery of the arthur seat coffins in late june 1836 a group of young boys set out for the slopes of arthur's seat to hunt for rabbits now if you don't know arthur's seat is actually an extinct volcano and it is the main peak of the many hills that make up hollywood park it's a very beautiful place it's great for walking and hiking it's great for just like little day trips in the summer you are able to go visit and walk Arthur's seat it would take you on average about two-ish hours so that would be a nice little adventure in the summer months when Scotland actually gets a little bit of sun. I actually told my dad about this the other day and he told me that he's actually walked Arthur's seat and he did that thing parents do when they try to patronise you and they're like oh yeah but you, you, you can do that you can get a bus and I'm like why would I want to get a bus? But yes, Dad, thanks for believing in me. Although the boys never actually caught any rabbits that day, they ended up finding something that still remains a mystery to this day. While on the northeast side of the hill, one of the boys happened upon a small opening in the side of the hill covered with slabs of slate. So once they had moved these slabs and got them out of the way, there was a further three thin pieces of slate and stacked between them were 17 miniature coffins in three separate tiers. So on the first tier, there was eight coffins, all laying side by side. On the second tier, there were another eight. And on the very top tier, there was only one. 
Each coffin was around four to five inches long and inside were miniature wooden figures of people. All of the little figurines were all dressed in their own little outfits and each one was different. Um, the first thing that was visually apparent was that each tier had been placed in the space at what would seem a different time. The first tier of coffins was extremely decayed with some of the clothing on the figures completely gone. The second tier was obviously a little bit decayed but nowhere near as extreme as the first tier and the top tier had almost no decay whatsoever so it would seem as if somebody had been coming back every couple of months maybe longer to place these figures in the space which is very very strange Uh, I'd also like to note that there was talk that maybe the decay that was found on the first two tiers wasn't actually due to ageing. It was because of moisture uh, dripping down from the top tier. Now, I suppose if moisture was dripping down the sides of the cave and pulling on the bottom, then I can see why the bottom tier would be the most decayed. But if they're talking about like moisture coming from the top tier down, then surely the second tier would be more decayed than the bottom tier. Does that just sound stupid? But that would make more sense to me, would it not? But anyway, it doesn't matter if these were all put in here at one time. It doesn't matter if they were put in over a period of years or months. It's still very, very strange. So... There are a few stories and news articles about what happened to the coffins after they were initially discovered. But as of right now, they are on display in the National Museum of Scotland. But even that is a bit up for debate. Uh, The following articles are the ones that make most sense to me. So that's why I've picked them. And I also picked these two because they are conflicting. They are different. They have different um, stories. Because a lot of the articles that I read kind of just said the same thing. Or they kind of said the same thing but some details were different. Um, Like the location was like um, a couple of feet away from where they said it was. Or the tools that they used or the boys or everything. There was small details that were different but they were all ultimately the same. So I picked these two because these two seem the most plausible. And they are conflicting so it kind of gives you a different a different thinking of what could have happened. About three or four weeks after the discovery of the coffins is when the first news articles began to appear. One of the first articles was featured in The Scotsman. This article states that not all of the coffins actually survived because the boys being boys were throwing them around and hitting each other, obviously not realising the significance of what they had found. So... Any that had survived, which there are only said to be eight that survived. So 17 were found, but only eight survived and were retrieved from the hillside. And they soon found their way into the hands of Mr Robert Fraser, who was a South Andrews Street jeweller, and he decided to put them on display in his own private museum. He would then go on to retire in 1845 and put the coffins into auction where they sold for £4 to an unknown buyer. Until 1901, when the then owner donated them to the National Museum of Scotland, where they are today. So, as I said before, that is 
there is a lot of speculation as to whether the coffins donated are even the same original coffins that were owned by Robert Fraser. But I don't really understand that theory because if you supposedly had something like that was so rare uh, and talked about so much, why would you donate them to a museum where they'll be put on display and you're really not going to benefit from that? You would surely, if you were going to donate something that was fake or it wasn't authentic, you would just sell it and try and make some money. So I don't really see why somebody, um, it was a woman who donated them, I don't really see why this woman would just be like, oh, I've got these really famous coffins, yeah, here, you just have them out and put them in a glass case so everybody can see them and I'll not benefit from it whatsoever. Uh, If that was me, I would be uh, selling them to make some mola, so I don't really get that theory. But I could see maybe them being, the the real ones being kind of lost throughout the, the years. Maybe, you know, falling apart or whatever. I can get that, but I just don't get the donating fake things. A much later article published in 1956 had some conflicting information and also a lot more significant details than the one that was published in The Scotsman. This article claims that the gap in the hillside was about a foot in height and 18 inches wide and that it had been opened using the help of tools such as trowels and shovels. Seeing as though the boys were hunting rabbits, it's not crazy to think that they had these kind of tools on them at the time. It then goes on to say the coffins were actually retrieved the following day by the boys' schoolmaster, Mr Ferguson. He took them home and tried to pry them open that night in his kitchen. He then took them into school the next day and showed them to his colleagues, who were all, obviously, very intrigued. The reporter who noted this account, a Mr Robert Chapman, has never stated where or who he got this account from, but it is documented that there was a schoolmaster at the time at the boys' school with the name Ferguson. Uh, It's assumed that the coffins kind of just changed hands throughout the years and eventually they found their way to the museum. So this is the one that makes the most sense to me because if you think about it, right, if these boys are just, you know, filling around on the hillside and they just happen upon these things and they don't really realise that they're significant or, you know, that they may have value and they're just throwing them around and playing and stuff. And then the next day they go to school and as kids do, they talk to their friends, they talk to their teachers. Maybe they were like, oh, we found this really weird thing out in the hillside. Oh, we found these little coffins or blah, blah, blah. And maybe a teacher overheard, let the schoolmaster know, or maybe the schoolmaster overheard. And maybe he's the one who went out to the hillside and kind of picked away at the opening to to see more, maybe. that's That makes more sense to me than, you know they're being auctioned and all this stuff. I mean, it doesn't really matter which of the news articles you choose to believe. There is an array of articles, as I said. It really doesn't matter which one you believe. The story starts the same. Boys finding these coffins and it ends the same. They are donated to the National Museum of Scotland. So the in-between part is not really relevant. What's relevant is why we don't know who put them there and why... Why did they even put them there in the first place? That is still the mystery. Nobody has ever found out why. Nobody knows who. It's still very much a massive mystery. So as all good mysteries do, there are some theories as to why they were put there in the first place. And I am going to go through some of the theories. The first theory, and 
to me, the most believed one, I at the time, I would say, is that they were put there as part of a ritual or spell. If you've listened to our previous episode on the witch trials, you will know that Edinburgh was notorious for the persecution and execution of alleged witches. Although at the time the coffins were found, the execution of witches and the belief in witchcraft altogether was not really a thing anymore. It was kind of fizzling out. Many people believed that witches were responsible. The theory was that because witches had to kind of be discreet with their practice, that they placed the coffins in the cave out of sight as part of a curse. The figures inside the coffins being the victims of said curse. Now, although... I don't really know much about witchcraft or the practice of magic, right? But I feel like it's just an easy thing to say. Like, if you find something you don't understand, especially in this time, when you find something you don't understand or something that you you can't explain, you just automatically jump to the assumption that it's witches. It's witches, it's witches, especially with the amount of history there is in Edinburgh of witchcraft. I can totally understand why people think that, but I think it's just an easy out to say, oh, it must have been witchcraft. To me, there's absolutely no evidence of witchcraft here because if it was a curse, then you would think when you see like people putting curses or they have poppets and stuff, there tends to be like needles or like some sort of injury to the figure or something like that and that is not apparent here with the figures that are inside these coffins they are very much uh, placed in those coffins very pristine they all have their little outfits on they all look very comfortable they don't look they look like they were put there by someone who cares there was also talk of the coffins being placed there in relation to ancient saxony custom the custom consisted of burying an effigy of a departed friend or loved one who had died in a distant land Although George Douglas, a keeper of Scottish history and archaeology at the National Museum of Scotland, states that there is no evidence of this kind of ceremonial burial practice in Scotland, and if a doll had been created in relation to witchcraft, it's likely it would be mutilated or destroyed, rather than carefully bundled in stitched cotton clothing and hidden in a cave. So that's what I was saying. I feel as though if somebody was trying to curse someone, maybe maybe I'm wrong, but I would just feel like it would be a lot more aggressive or violent. There wouldn't be just be this... Time was taken to carefully carve these little figures and put them in these, like, pretty adorned coffins and they were placed respectfully into this cave. It's not like somebody's... I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't know anything about witchcraft, but to me that doesn't seem like witchcraft. So, with the Saxony custom, I can totally understand that as well. Maybe people who had... Um, come to Scotland or maybe you know living in Edinburgh at the time who had family uh, overseas and I can totally see maybe a loved one dying and part of custom just doing it as like an like a tribute or an effigy that would make sense but then again George Douglas says that this is not something that's common practice here in Scotland but you never know these first two are very unlikely but still very possible another theory is <laughs> weirdly another one that we've covered here on the podcast, and it involves Burke and Hare. So if you don't know who Burke and Hare are, then please go listen to that episode. Uh, I'm not going to go deep diving into Burke and Hare because we did a full episode on it. So if you want to know more about them, 
please go listen to that episode. Uh, I'll just be giving like a kind of brief overview here just so it makes sense. So Burke and Hare were famous body snatchers turned murderers in Edinburgh in the early 19th century. So they murdered 17 people, murdered 16 people and one uh, died of natural causes and they would take the bodies and they would give them to Dr Knox in return for money um, so he could perform his dissections uh, and research and they would get money. So that's kind of the story. If you want to know more, go listen to it. Um, it was suggested that the coffins were in relation to these famous murders because the number of coffins matched the number of victims murdered by the pair. Also, after examination, it was concluded that the coffin that the coffins were first deposited in the cave around 1830, which is around the time these murders took place. But what would be the reason for someone to pay tribute to 17 murder victims, including the first who died of natural causes? Well... It comes from the belief of needing a complete body for Resurrection Day. As these victims had been dissected, they were seen as not complete. So maybe somebody who was upset by the murders or just wanted to give these victims the dignified burial they deserved um, and let their spirits rest, just kind of decided to carve these little figurines put them in coffins uh, and place them there maybe just to let their spirits rest so that could be why it was even thought to have been Burke himself that created the coffins as the design and woodworking was said to be that of a shoemaker which happened to be Burke's day job obviously when he wasn't killing people so although it's a very heartwarming theory for someone to be paying tribute to these victims, it doesn't really make a lot of sense. All of the figures within the coffins were dressed in men's clothing and all of their eyes were open. So most of the victims of Burke and Hare were predominantly female and usually when a killer or, you know, like a serial killer or a murderer makes like effigies or figures of victims, their eyes are closed because obviously they have murdered them. Obviously that that's not that's not a fact. That's just what tends to be the norm. So because all these little figurines had their eyes open, it was like it was thrown out that this could have been Burke himself. And uh, due to the fact that all the figures were men, and all the victims, most of the victims were female, that was also thrown out because that obviously doesn't add up. Doesn't go with the story. One other theory was that there could have been a shipwreck off the coast and there could have been 17 members of the crew that died during the wreck. The figures could have been placed there as a tribute as it was common for mimic burials to be given to Scottish sailors lost at sea. But again, there was no record of a ship wrecking during this time, so that theory was thrown out. But that actually could be because there is evidence of this kind of burial in Scotland at the time and who maybe there was a shipwreck or, you know, a small boat uh, that just wasn't recorded. So that could be what it is as well. Now, the very last theory was that this could have been the work of a serial killer. All of the figures were assumed to be male as they all had male-type clothing on relevant to the time. So as we know, modern time serial killers, uh, not all of them, but some of them tend to take trinkets 
or photographs or locks of hair, jewellery, something that reminds them of the victim and the murder. Um, this is pretty common in killers. Uh, so it was theorised that this could have been this killer's way of remembering his victims and the murders. Maybe each tear was a different spree or, I don't know, maybe a different time period. But this lady wasn't really looked into a great deal. But what gave it a bit more credibility was that in December 2014, there was a box delivered to the museum with no return address on it. When the box was opened, it contained a detailed replica of the coffin found in 1836. The details were identical down to the work on the lids and the figure inside. There was a handwritten note inside the box stating the following XVIII, which is 18 in Roman numerals, and then went on to quote a short story called The Body Snatcher by Robert Louis Stevenson, which, funnily enough, was inspired by the crimes of Burke and Hare. It then went on to say the coffin was a gift to the Museum of Scotland for caring for our nation's treasures. So it was speculated that this could have been an 18th victim from Burke and Hare. Or it could have been from a completely different colour altogether. We will never know that because there was no return address. So this one is really interesting. If a serial killer was at work here and was killing these people and keeping these figurines, they're really, they, they would not be alive in 2014 to send this coffin. So it would have to have been passed down through family members or friends or maybe it is one of the lost ones uh there only was eight that was given to the museum so maybe it's one of the lost ones we'll just we will never know we'll never know so guys that's all the information that i have on the arthur sheet coffins uh it's a really interesting story the fact that it's still a mystery to this day i don't really know what i believe what theory i would go with in this one there's so many different theories and there could literally be so many more that we're just not, people just aren't picking up on. I mean, it could literally be anything. I was thinking that it could even be a family that, you know, had a family tradition of maybe when a generation passes or someone passes within the same generation, a different tier is begun and, you know, people are placed in there when they die as part of a, like, a little tribute or something like that. I find it it could literally be anything. We, we won't know. The other theory that I think, if I was to pick a theory, I believe it would be the serial killer one because I find it bizarre that they're all in coffins. Um, the thing is as well, if that was to happen today, if somebody was in a park or in a wooded area and found... 17 coffins with tiny figures in them i'm pretty sure that people would be talking about a serial killer or you know murders missing persons cases would probably be getting brought up and stuff uh but there is one thing that makes me think that that's not what it is and it is because i feel like the person who placed them in there cared a great deal about the people in the, I say people, the figures in the coffins because a lot of time and dedication was put into carving these coffins, clothing them and making sure that they fit in the coffins snugly. It wasn't as if it was just thrown together, jib-jabby, like it was all just a lot of rubbish and they were just thrown in there. 
a lot of time and effort was put in to what they were wearing and their facial detail and you know the the detail on the lid of the coffin and then it was placed carefully in there and concealed it was never meant to be found so to me that goes back to the family member thing where I feel like it could have been just somebody paying tribute to lost family members or friends and it could easily have just been a burial tribute it could be the Saxony one it could have been um the sailor one it could have been anything like that I, 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 I you just don't know because and you'll never know but I just find that really interesting um I don't really get as far as the witchcraft and the spells thing goes I'm not really buying that theory. I don't really feel as if that is in line with that. Uh, I could be 100% wrong. I'm not really educated in witchcraft or magic. If there's anybody listening who is, please feel free to let me know if I'm just talking one lot of shit. Uh, but that just doesn't seem... It just doesn't seem plausible. And there is a lot more information out there about them. Um, as I said, it's a lot of the same thing. It's just small details are changed. Uh, I just kind of like to give you guys just a brief overview and give you all the information that I feel that you need to know. I don't feel it's necessary to go into every single itty bitty detail. But if that's something that you guys want me to do, then I can certainly do that in future episodes. I can literally go through all the nitty gritty. But I just like to give you what you need to know because sometimes listening to a podcast can get a bit tedious if they're just listing off all these things that you're just unnecessarily need to know but if you would like to know that kind of stuff then please let me know I can add all that in and there are a lot of theories as far as theories go these are the main ones that people speculate about there was a lot of satanic theories which I just didn't go into because I just feel like that it was just a load of rubbish there was nothing there was nothing really educational or factual in those claims I think as I said I've said this in other episodes I feel like people just slap the word satanic on shit and think that that just makes it more interesting and that people will just go oh that oh I'll need to read this because it's did you not know that it's related to satan and oh this did you hear about this I just don't I don't think it's factual I think people think it makes it more scary when they say that or they think that something scary is going on but as far as satanism and satan worship I don't think it's anything about that Uh, If it is, then, you know, I'm an idiot, but I don't think that's what it is. As always, guys, if you would like to share your theories with us, then you can certainly do that wherever you feel feel comfortable. Um, You can let us know what you think. And if there's anything that I've missed, you can certainly let me know. Uh, as I said, I just like to go over the, the the meat and bones and give you everything that you need need to know and stop all these unnecessary information that you don't need to know. It can sometimes get a bit confusing with all the different dates and things and people are, when people are saying basically the same thing, I just don't see the point in, in you know saying it. But that is everything, guys. Thank you for listening, and I will most definitely see you in the next one. Bye. <laughs>